Yes, what is up, loyal listeners to the Hostile Environment Podcast, and welcome to episode number 40. Yes, my friends, we have made it to 40 episodes together, uh, 40 being one of my favorite numbers because it is the uh, number of my favorite football pair of all time. The reason I love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that'd be Mike Allstott, but anyways, you guys don't shit, don't care. Um, you know, so now that we're at 40 episodes, I'd like to thank everybody. Now, I know not all of you guys have been here for all 40 episodes, so that's okay. As long as you're here with us now and you stick with us, um, you know, I got big things coming, so... I'm glad you're here, and for those of you who have been with me for all 40 episodes, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. All right, let's get to some stuff here. Um, how about these last few days in Toronto? Um, they've been simply magnificent, in my opinion. Well, everyone's opinion, they're, they're fantastic. Not so much for Barry today, who got hammered with a tornado. So, the, you know, you got to feel bad for the people in Barry. So, any of you Barry listeners out there, sorry about your damn luck. That sucks. Um, you know, but when it comes to weather for this coming weekend, uh, you know, again, the fraudulent meteorologists are calling for a shitty weekend, but as we've come to learn, they lie. Uh, so who the fuck knows what's going to happen this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Um, uh, let's see. So, uh, let's go with, um, if you listen to the last show, I briefly touched on the Euro cup. Um, I don't know why I'm talking about soccer two episodes in a row, but here we are. Um, I'm actually going to bring up my absolute disdain for watching the game, which I actually brought up last time, so I'm really not bringing it up this time. Um, you know, and, and, uh, when you watch a game knowing full well that apparently I'm in the minority where I, I really dislike soccer and I voice that opinion, I expected some soccer fans who listen to the show to respond to me in some kind of manner, whether it be on Facebook or IG or whatever, I don't know. Um, and truthfully, only one fan actually got back to me, and he was actually very polite. He actually attempted to um, explain the lack of scoring and how it actually makes it more intense for the viewers and for the fans. Uh, he gave me uh, the stat that soccer has over 3.5 billion fans worldwide, which I had to Google. And um, you know, most fans are actually very respectful in soccer. Um, okay, so those are basically the points that this guy Brett laid out to me. So, okay, Brett, I appreciate you writing in the show. Thank you for writing in. Uh, but now let me retort to your email. Um, I do agree that soccer or European football, whatever you want to call it, um, is the most watched sport by far. Uh, I know that. Uh, I know it's not even close, actually. Uh, soccer is worldwide, unlike the NFL, which is you know primarily a North American sport. But it is slowly gaining some traction in London and other parts of Europe. Uh, sadly, I don't think the NFL will be around forever because of the concussions and all that stuff. So... Uh, by the time it actually gets popular in Europe, it'll probably get shut down, I'm guessing. Um, but also, you know, uh, will the NFL or the NHL ever explode into Africa or Mexico or Pakistan? No, absolutely no chance. So look, Brett, I'm not here to debate you on the popularity of the sport. I'm actually here to question why it's so popular. So to do that, I actually had to sit down and write some stuff down, just some things that I believe make soccer so, soccer so popular. Uh, here's what I came up with. I came up with, it's relatively cheap to play and you can put your kids into it. So, you know, that, that checks every box, right? If you have one kid and you put them in hockey, that's almost like a mortgage payment every month. That's insane. Soccer, you could put two or three kids into, into soccer and it probably wouldn't even come up to that. So, uh, that's one thing I see for sure. Uh, there's enough space on every team or sorry, on almost every team for, uh, no, sorry. There's enough space on a team for almost every local kid to make the same team. 
So, you know, if little Jimmy and his five friends all want to be on the soccer team, chances are you can get them all on the same team. They're not playing against each other. They're playing with each other. So that's fun for the kids. Uh, what else do I have here? And, oh, there are no other sports that are really being pushed in most countries. Am I right about that? I mean, that's that's pretty easy, right? I mean, Britain and most of Europe will never give a fuck about the NHL and Major League Baseball and even some European countries don't give a shit about the NBA, although Europe does actually have quite a few places where um, uh, washed-up basketball players and also um, up-and-comers who just can't get drafted into the league, they can go to Europe and play, like Greece and Turkey and Switzerland and some other countries like that. Um, but, you know, Europe... And, oh, and Europe does love hockey. Um, you know, they love uh, Finland, Sweden, Russia... Uh, Kazakhstan, which is actually a part of Russia, but I'm just named Belarus. These, you know, all these, they, they love hockey, right? But let's face it, it's soccer, cricket, and rugby. They're the massive sports that are in Britain. And that pretty much goes for a shit ton of other countries um, where other sports just don't matter. So just to, just to be clear, Brett, in that, um, in that Euro game, England scored quick, right? So like I sat down, I was like, I'm going to watch it. And next thing you know, England, within like 10 minutes, put a puck in the, in the or a puck, put a ball in the goal. So I was like, okay, this ain't so bad. And then nothing happened for 75 minutes until Italy finally put one in two. So there you go. For almost 90 minutes, you've seen two goals. There, then there was another 30 minutes of nothing happening, except guys trying to win Oscars for falling down. And then shots of crazy fans in the audience putting the scarf over their face and crying and holding each other like, you know, like as if we're about to get a meteor shower, like you know, like, like a movie or something. And then nothing happens there too. So it goes to penalty kicks where it's one guy versus a goalie and uh, the soccer net is big enough to put a fucking humpback whale into. So for the goalie, it's basically like a 50-50 shot. Uh, and is he going to go east or is he going to go west to try and gamble and, and stop the shot? But it, it, all of the pressure is clearly on the shooter, though, right? So I'm watching this, and I truly believe that the English shooters just tried to be way too fancy with their, you know, one guy was doing like four or five stutter steps to try and trick the goalie so he'd dive so he'd get an easy shot. And then sure enough, because they did all this shit, um, you know, uh, they, they missed. Uh, I think it was at least three times, twice for sure, maybe even three times. So England goes down, and it's England's fault, and that's all good. You know, it's part of the sport, I get it, whatever, fine, it's over. But Brett, here's my problem with the sport. The guys who missed the penalty kicks for England just happen to all be black, right? And the things I read on social media towards these black guys is way beyond unacceptable. It's downright disgusting. And there's no place in society or sports or anything for shit like this to go down, right? So do you think these garbage people... Who, who still write uh, things like this online, do you think that if the team, so we'll go with England because that's what we're talking about, so do you think if England got held accountable uh, for the, the uh, what their fans do and say to, uh, you know, on social media and blah, 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 death threats and all this stuff? Obviously not, right? So go ahead. I, I dare you. Uh, let's get England to be held responsible and because some guy wrote something racist or put a death threat out, a death threat out because of a fucking game, and then England would probably get what banned from qualifying for the next tournament, right? So there you go, they're being held accountable. But let's see how long that fan survives in the city they live in. You know, like big, big tough keyboard warriors. 
you know, I guarantee that some crazy soccer hooligans would kick this guy's door in and crack his head open because, you know, obviously for soccer, because it's the love of the game, right? I don't fucking get it. And then to top it all off, I saw two very disturbing videos from game day. The first was fans pushing past security, like on the ground, like physically hurting the security people. And, the, and the, uh, I don't know, I don't think they're nurses or doctors, obviously, but I think they're healthcare workers. They're, and they're, the, the fans were forcing their way through the COVID checkpoints and pushing them on the ground and uh, even giving them like little punches and like little, little shoves and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and, and um, the other video I saw was a bunch of English assholes who were waiting at the front gate inside the stadium. So after COVID check, after um, uh, security, after they've given their ticket stub and they're inside the stadium, they literally sat by the front doors so that any English fan that walked in, uh, whether it be a man or a woman, they would get a punch or a kick or, or spit on. They would basically get attacked. And this was before the game even started. So I can't even imagine what those same people, so imagine you got accosted like that coming in and then you have to go out also after you win the game. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that went well for everybody, right? I'm sure the English fans were very polite at that point too. So I don't know, sometimes or somehow this shit just continues to happen and it's all chalked up and like swept under the rug because it's all under the English hooligans banner, which is just a fucking stupid excuse. I mean, uh, how about somebody in England mans the fuck up and stops all of this soccer hooliganism bullshit? Mm. I mean, think about it. Think really hard, right? Because if, you know, do you mean to tell me that England makes it to the final in England, right? And regardless of who they're playing, the the entire soccer community didn't look at that, circle that and say... Yeah, no way am I going to watch that fucking game. That's going to be insane, or that's going to be nuts, or there's going to be some shit going on there. Because everyone in the goddamn world knew that that shit was going to happen. Hell, I knew it, and I don't even fucking like soccer. And I knew it was going to be a disaster. So, I mean, that's my stance, man. I don't know. Personally, I hate that shit. Um, I've been in a few NFL cities where I wore the opposing team's jersey. And, you know, I I did it knowing that I was getting a little pushback, right? And it happened. Nothing too bad. But I have seen um, shit go bad. I have seen people get beer poured on them. And I've seen people get spit on. And I've seen a few scraps outside the parking lot and, uh, yeah, at the end of the game. I've seen that shit. Um, so it's not just soccer that has asshole fans. I'm not saying that that's the case. But they are by far the worst. And as far as I know, no one has ever burned down a player's house for missing a field goal or murdered a referee for a bad call. Those lovely traits all belong to soccer. So, after I got Brett's email, uh, I wanted to do a little bit of Googling, just for my own sake, and for the show, I get it. You know, I, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. So, um, you know, doing the, the quick Google research, I saw a stat that, you know, the, the most watched sport is soccer. They're number one at 3.5 billion. So, Brett was right. Somehow, cricket is number two at 2.5 billion. Then comes basketball, field hockey, what the fuck, and tennis. They round out the top five, right? Okay, I was a little shocked by field hockey, not going to lie. Cricket, I knew it was very popular, didn't know it was that popular. But the bottom five are volleyball, table tennis, baseball, NFL, and rugby. They put them together. And number 10 is golf. So according to this list, the top 10 sports, right? More people in the world watch field hockey and volleyball and fucking ping pong than NHL hockey. 
That, my friends, is a crime and just a goddamn shame. But unfortunately, it is, it is what it is. So, while we're on the topic of hockey, has anyone seen the damage the Tampa Bay Lightning did to the Stanley Cup? Uh, I saw the picture online, and dear Lord, did that trophy take a pounding. Uh, rules were put in place uh, regarding the Stanley Cup after the Washington Capitals severely damaged the Cup in 2018. And one of those official rules was keg stands on the trophy are now prohibited. So uh, it came out today that apparently uh, one of the Tampa Bay players fell backwards and fell on top of the Stanley Cup. So I'll take the guy at his word, but I don't think that's what happened, but it is what it is. Uh, so after seeing that picture, I wanted to obviously do some more Google research, and I saw some hilarious things that have happened to the Stanley Cup over its history. Um, babies have pooped in it on multiple occasions. Uh, it was thrown into a bonfire by the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1962, and the New York Rangers all urinated on it in 1940 after they lit it on fire. And the Coupe de Gras was in 1924. The Montreal Canadiens forgot it on the side of the highway. Which, it's fucking gigantic. How you forget a big, giant silver chalice, or whatever you want to call it. I have no idea, but they did it. So, the ironic, the ironic part of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning damaging the cup is it had to get shipped to Montreal for repairs. And that just happens to be the team that the Tampa Bay Lightning beat to win the Stanley Cup. So, good news, ladies and gentlemen. The cup is coming back to Canada. And just this morning after I saw the story, um, I did post a picture of the Stanley Cup on social media. So hopefully you guys all follow me. If not, if you don't want to follow me, uh, just feel free to hit up the old Google machine if you want to see the damage that was done to the cup. So uh, let's go. Oh, here's another beautiful segue since we're talking about Canada. Let's all congratulate your all-stars for the Toronto Blue Jays. There was four of them, but let's especially congratulate the first ever Blue Jay to win the all-star MVP in what was another awful and very hard-to-watch baseball game. Uh, that was the all-star game that just happened two days ago. Uh, the game was shit. The American League won. Um, somehow, with the American League having a $600 million payroll, basically, of all the players that were on the field, and the National League, who has a $700 million payroll, uh, the game was a 5-2 score. So basically, that's saying the best players in the world can only score seven runs in a game for almost a billion dollars. So no wonder watches or gives a shit about the All-Star game, because it's a joke. And I tried to watch the Home Run Derby on Monday, and the commentating was so bad, it was so boring, that I had to turn it off. So, that's fuck that too. Um, before I get into some topics and some awesome headlines for your phone, which I plan on doing in just a minute, I have to give you guys a heads up. There will be no Hostile Environment podcast on July 26th. That would be a Monday. Uh, I'm going whitewater rafting with my ladies, and I'm sure as hell not bringing my podcast equipment. Uh, because I'm sure, um, you know, I'm not even sure if I'll survive. So let's just go with that. Um, but if you miss me and you want to say hi or ask for advice or send me some dick pics, you can. You can always do that at any time. I will always take your dick pics whenever you want. And if you want to know how to do that, you can do it by Facebook, which I am Jay Cowell. IG, host, dot, enviro, dot, pod. TikTok, at the Hostile Environment Pod, where I made a video on Monday that has almost 2,000 views, which I think is pretty impressive. And then right beside it is another video where I have one view. So, like I said, I still have not figured out this social media shit. On Twitter, I'm at podcast underscore hostile. 
email is where Brett and a few other people have emailed me in the last few days. One of them congratulating me on getting my first sponsorship. So thank you for that. You know who you are. Uh, that email address is j.hostile.environment at gmail.com. And on Patreon, just go on and search for the Hostile Environment Podcast because you guys have $2 in your wallet that you're not using and you want to support the show and show Jay that you love him very much. Uh, download and subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. And as of this morning, I am also on Stitcher. Uh, I know it's in Canada, Stitcher is not exactly the most popular app, but it is a podcast app and you can get a whole bunch of other shit there too. Not sure if you guys want to check it out, but if you do, you can clearly subscribe to me also there, even though you're already subscribed to me now, hopefully, right? So, yes, that's it. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Da, 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 da. Moving on from the plugs, but oh, let's stick with sports just briefly. Uh, remember a couple of episodes ago, I shit on LeBron James for making a spectacle out of his son's basketball game, right? Because I told you he brought Drake and he brought all these other celebrities and he made it all about himself, right? And, you know, nobody you know nobody fought back on me because i guess everyone believes me um but if you wanted more proof here it is uh the fucking guy just can't help himself because he did it again during halftime of his kids game the other day lebron actually went on the court and started shooting three point uh, shots for everybody in the crowd to watch but of course because all the fans building have a cell phone uh they're all trying to get it on video and they're all trying to take pics and selfies and all that shit so, of course, they caused uh, some shoving and some pushing, and there was just, you know, overall commotion. And what's funny was he was actually missing most of the shots, so that's even even funnier. I hope they got all that on video. Um, and the week before that, during play, by the way, so his son's actually on the court playing, LeBron took exception to something a commentator said in regards to some kind of foul call his son was involved in. Uh, so LeBron thought it was a good idea to go actually to the, to the table and start arguing with this commentator during the game. So I guess in LeBron's world, he thought it was a good idea and it was the proper time to go and start an argument in front of an entire building with his police escorts, by the way, because wherever they go, he goes, or vice versa, um, while his son's trying to play a game. I, I, you got to feel for this kid, right? I mean, I do. I feel, I feel bad for him because uh, it's got to be tough. And the chances are um, he will never, ever live up to his dad's, um, uh, sorry, he will never live up to the expectations of the NBA world being LeBron Jr., because that's his name, LeBronny Jr., or something like that. But also, you know, he's not going to live up to his dad dad's expectations, too, because I'm pretty sure that LeBron's going to want his son to be the next superstar. So that's tough for the kid, right? You, you got to kind of feel for him. But then I also saw a story that was connected to this that said LeBron will officially be a billionaire. Uh, within the next six months to a year, or very shortly, they they said something like that. Um, so I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't really feel all bad for that kid because he, he's a fucking millionaire anyways, and he'll be just fine, even if he doesn't do big things in the NBA, which he probably will. So uh, I actually do hope LeBron James' sorry remake of Space Jam also, which comes out in a couple of days, I hope it fucking tanks. Um, this is a guy, LeBron James, who says... He's not trying to be the next Michael Jordan. And he said that ever since he came out of college. But somehow he wears the number 23. Okay. Uh, he's in bed with Nike. Okay. And he, read Mike, he remade Michael Jordan's only movie. Yeah. No comparisons there, sweetheart. Yeah, you're not trying to be like Mike at all. All right. Let's move out of the sports world and talk my favorite subject other than beer. And that would be food. God, I love food. Um, a restaurant in New York has just become the Guinness Book of World Records recipient for the world's most expensive French fries. 
an iconic New York City restaurant named Serendipity, I always have a trouble saying that word, I don't know why, set the record for the most expensive fries ever at a whopping $200 a plate. They are called Creme de la Creme Pomme Frites. Ah, you like that, eh? A little, uh, little uh, hostile environment uh, action there, a little French accent there. Um, this plate of fries took three months of planning to create and was made by Chef Joe Calderon, who says, It's easy to take expensive ingredients and just throw them all together and call it an expensive dish. But we like working on the science of the dish as well. And, uh, sorry, we like making the science of the dish as well as making it not only the most expensive, but also the best tasting dish in the world, end quote. Um, the fries are made from, get ready for this, because I'm going to butcher some of these things. The fries are made from chipperback potatoes, okay? Uh, They're first blanched in Dom Perignon Champagne and J. Leblanc fresh French Champagne, Ardine Vinegar, before being cooked three times in pure goose fat from southwest France. Uh, after they are cooked, the fries are seasoned with Guanarde truffle salt, which is hand-harvested from Guanarde, France, and tossed in Arbani summer truffle oil. They are then topped with shaved pecorino tartufulo uh, cheese, I butchered both of those names, uh, that is made of milk from sheep, and uh, on the clay-rich hills of the Italian region of Crete Sensi. The fries are also topped with shaved black summer truffles from Umbria, Italy. Uh, and the, it, the, the dish is served on a Baccarat crystal Araboski plate. The fries are finally finished with a 23-carat edible gold dust and a Mornay sauce on the side that is made from A2 grass jersey-fed cows and a three-month-aged Grognard truffled Swiss ratlette. My God, I don't even know what half of that shit is. I don't even want to eat it, let alone try it, let alone say it. Uh, Serendipity is no stranger to making world's records. Uh, they've had ten. They've held ten Guinness World Records and still currently own the record for most expensive dessert at twenty-five thousand dollars. They also have the most expensive sandwich at $214 and most expensive milkshake at $100. I would love to order these uh, $200 fries with gold and all these truffles and all this sheepskin or whatever, sheep cum or whatever it is. And you order them and then when they put the plate down, you say, yeah, can, can I get some ketchup? Because <laughs> you guarantee that fucking chef would lose his shit. Uh, so after reading this story, I had to find out this, you know, th this dessert that was priced at $25,000. So here it is. It is called the Frozen, and the Frozen has four R's, so there's probably like 10 grand an R. So it's Frozen Hout Chocolate. It's a sundae that uses a fine blend of 28 cocas, including 14 of the world's most expensive it's decorated with 5 grams of edible 23 karat gold and is served in a goblet lined with edible gold. The base of the goblet is an 18 karat gold bracelet and it has a 1 karat diamond spoon to finish the dessert with. After the dessert is eaten with the gold diamond spoon, uh, at the, so at the completion of your meal, you can also take the goblet and the spoon home. 
You're fucking right I can, because for $25,000, I'm taking the cutlery, I'm taking the bowl, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to take some kind of doggy bag that's probably made out of dinosaur bones, and in the restroom, when I go to wash up after I'm done with this very expensive plate of french fries, I better be able to piss into an actual person's mouth and, I'm, uh, and have someone wash off my penis for me when I'm done. Because if I'm going to spend $200 on fries and twenty-five grand on dessert... You're fucking, you, you, you better provide me with all the luxuries, baby. These fucking rich people, man. I, I don't even know. Um, let's go from top of the line cuisine, which we just talked about. Let's go to the very other end of the spectrum. A Burger King sign has gone viral after employees of one of the chain restaurant left a notice to management that they were all quitting. Rachel Flores began working at a location in Lincoln, Nebraska in August and was promoted to general manager just a few months later. There you go. Look at that. Um, after the departure of a previous manager. Flores has worked in restaurants before, including other Burger Kings, and she was familiar with the environment. But she was unprepared for the behavior she experienced from upper management at this location. We all just had to quit. We're sorry for the inconvenience, read the sign that was posted on the billboard outside of the restaurant after Flores and at least six other employees decided to put their in, sorry put in their two weeks notice. So I took a picture of the sign, a screenshot, and I'm going to put that on social media because it is something that they put. But there's more to the story. Uh, Flores said she experienced months of issues, including short staffing, managerial turnover, and hectic work conditions. Flores alleges that on several occasions, she would go into work uh, for a shift that was meant for five to seven people and find only two or three people working. She said there are many days when work conditions were so unsafe for employees who were left to work in dangerously hot temperatures without air conditioning because management refused to get it fixed. Uh, Flores said that when she told her direct boss and other upper managers about her experiences and what was going on, she was accused of making excuses and being dishonest. Uh, and she received comments from her boss like, you're just being a baby. So you know what? Good for these fucking people. And how about Burger King? Uh, fuck them. Because their food is one step above kitty litter. And it's great when people can actually stand up for themselves and then stand up for each other. So good for these fucking people in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, maybe some other fast food chains like Taco Bell and all these fucking horrible places will take notice of this shit and start treating their employees a little bit more respect. Uh, let's go. Here's a bizarre headline from right here in Toronto that actually just came out yesterday. Suspect sought after people. Uh, sorry. Suspect sought after people are set on fire inside Ossington subway station. Police have re released a surveillance camera image of a suspect wanted after several people were lit on fire in a Toronto subway station this week. Uh, about 2 p.m. on Tuesday, police were called about a disturbance inside the Ossington subway station. Investigators say a man with a butane lighter approached several people in the station and attempted to light their clothes on fire from behind. One man suffered severe burns as a result. The suspect then fled the station when pedestrians caught on to the suspect's intentions and what he was doing. He is described as a man in his 20s with a thin build. That's it. That was the description they gave for a maniac trying to light people on fire in a, in a public transit system. They said, uh, a man in his 20s with a thin build. So you're basically saying, young human being with a lighter, right? If seen, call police. 
the picture of the suspect is uh, it clearly it, it's an African American male. Uh, but in case you guys haven't been made aware or aren't aware of the situation, um, a lot of people have made human rights complaints regarding released police statements and media press releases, um, basically declaring people by their color or creed. So if you don't understand what I'm trying to say here, do you remember when the, the Asian dude cut off a guy's head on a Greyhound bus like 10 years ago? So basically they're saying, uh, if that happens, you can't say... Asian man cuts off head looking for Asian man description. You just have to say man. Uh, so yeah, that's where we're at, right? So you get the picture. The, the world's a fucking mess. It's a great world we live in, boys and girls. Great world. Let's go to another story. How about uh, lottery winner arrested for dumping $200,000 of manure on the lawn of his former boss. A man in Illinois was arrested for getting $224,000 worth of manure dumped onto the property of his former boss only two weeks after he won the $125 million lottery. 54-year-old Brian Morris from the small town of uh, Clarendon Hills uh, bought the manure and asked for it to be dumped on his former boss's property uh, Peter Morris, or sorry, that's the other guy, sorry. Uh, Morris had attracted a lot of media attention two weeks ago after winning, uh, sorry, I'm, pages are sticking together, uh, after winning the lottery and when asked by organizers what he was going to do with the money, he simply answered, just read the news, you will see. Uh, the image of him being arrested, uh, so there's a mugshot of this guy, Brian Morris, who uh, like you know won the lottery and just decided that he was going to get his boss back? So you know, fair enough. Um, I don't, I don't. I just not much there. I just thought it was funny that I won 125 million dollars. I'm just going to spend 200 grand and put a bunch of shit on my ex boss's lawn. Okay, it's kind of funny. Um, this is my story of the day. Um, we're not done yet, folks. We're 30 minutes in. I still got a few more things here, so we are not done. Uh, here we go with this one. Woman told she can no longer urinate or defecate in public. There you go. English woman Amanda Lee, 50, has been convicted 15 times dating back to 1996. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought that was awesome. Amanda Lee, 50, from Crew, sorry, Crew. C-R-E-W-E, Crew Crewshire, Cheshire, ah, whatever, has been treating her town like it's her own very pub, own very public toilet uh, for years and has been ordered by police to stop. Lee has been convicted 15 times dating back to 1996 for offenses including antisocial behavior, harassment, public order, and abusing the emergency system. Um, police issued her a criminal behavior order which prevents Lee from doing these five things in the exclusive zone around her town. She can't be in possession of alcohol in an open container. Well, she did that. Um, she can't use abusive language or threatening public behavior in a public place, nor use a dog to threaten or intimidate people. She sounds like a nice lady. You should see a picture of her. She's gorgeous. Uh, she can't be in possession of alcohol in an open... Oh, sorry, I said that one. She can't contact police on the emergency number 999 or 101. I guess that's their version of 911s. Unless she has a genuine reason for doing so, which means she's done so in the past. 
she can no longer urinate or defecate in any open space, public or private. Uh, there's also a street called Priest Court that she is no, long, no longer allowed to enter. So she's barred from a whole fucking cul-de-sac. Um, she has persistently shown no consideration at all for her actions. Um, you know, I get that. That would make sense. Um, you know. Uh, there comes a point when you have to say enough is enough and take additional action to protect the community and the businesses in the area. If Lee breaches the terms of her agreement, she could receive a maximum of five years in jail. So let's just hope that, you know, the, the, the old Starbucks in England isn't all backed up and she has to do her business because you know how this is going to work out. So today is Thursday. Um, the good news is, guys, good news is tomorrow we are out of lockdown. So are you guys hyped for that? I mean, we're almost getting back to normal again. We're almost there. I think cases of COVID are between 1 and 140 and 160, somewhere around there in the last couple of days. Um, personally, I was going to go to the movie theater tomorrow to see Black Widow because I've been itching to watch it. I was going to go with my wife, who's working. I was going to go with my youngest daughter, who's going camping. Or I was going to go with my oldest daughter, who it's her birthday. She's turning 22, and she told me she has plans, and I don't fit into them. So, uh, I might be going to see Black Widow by myself, or I might get drunk on a patio by myself. Either way, you get the point, I will be by myself. Now, since we are out of lockdown tomorrow, or not lockdown, we are in stage three, whatever the fuck that is, and everything's open again, and you can do everything almost except for a few, uh, a few minor things. Uh, strip joints, uh, for those of you who are itching, just out there itching to get a lap dance. Uh, the owner of the Fillmore's Strip Club has come up with an official statement that says, if you cannot prove that you've had double vaccine, you do not get entry into the strip club as they reopen tomorrow. So that's a pretty bold statement. Um, his exact quote was, um, we want our staff to be safe. We were the first industry that shut down and the last to reopen. So said Fillmore's entertainment manager, Caspar Cameron on Tuesday. Fillmore's apparently isn't the only club taking this approach at Cameron, who noted that he has been in conversations with other owners and managers of all the other strip clubs in Toronto, and they will adopt the same approach when they reopen on Friday. Truthfully, other than the Zanzibar and Fillmore's, I can't even name, oh no, sorry, and the Brass Rail. Other than that, I don't even know if Whiskey A Go-Go still open, because I know that was a go-to place in, uh, in Mississauga. Other than that, I couldn't even name a strip club. That's how long it's been since I've been there. And if I was going to go to a strip club, it would be in Niagara to the Sundowner. That place is a little slice of heaven. So there you go. It says, everybody, our dancers, our doormen, our bartenders, everybody is fully vaccinated, Cameron said. We're going to make it mandatory that customers will have at least one dose, but we prefer two. Um... So there you go. Last summer, there were problems with contact tracing at strip clubs, with many people giving fake names and phone numbers as they walked in the door. But Cameron said they are taking a new approach. Every customer will be required to show identification before entering, and their information will be taken down at that time. Uh, usually, we only card people uh, who look under 25, but now we will be checking everyone. As for showing proof of vaccination, Cameron said that his club doesn't have the ability to verify that someone's vaccine certificate is authentic, so he's calling on the provincial government to come up with some sort of system. We are hoping that the government is going to do this, he said. 
Unfortunately, um, Big Fat Doug Ford came out today and said that they will not be doing that because they think it will divide society between the, the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and it will cause problems. Um, that, I don't know if that was an official statement, but I heard him say that. So um, that might just be what he wants. I don't know how it's going to work out. So I don't know, guys. So if you want a strip joint, if you want, uh, you know, if you if you're killing for a lap dance and you're you want a fourteen dollar beer, not to mention you have to tip your server, which brings it up to about twenty bucks a beer. Um, you have to be vaxxed. So there's that, guys. And with that, that is all I have for you today on this fortieth episode. Uh, we have ten more till fifty. I have uh, I have a pretty big show coming up on Thursday. So I think I'm gonna bring back a tone tale for you guys. I think it's been long enough. I've been good with not burning through all my tone tails, so I think Thursday I'm going to bring one back, considering Thursday is, or oh, sorry, oh, again I did it, Monday, this is not, fucking Jesus Christ, I'm so bad at this, my days are all messed up, this is Thursday, my next show is Monday, so there you go, so um, maybe next Thursday I'll bring back the tone tail for you, since it's called Thursday Tone Tales, Thursday is a big episode for me, and you will see why on that Thursday, so for me, for everyone at the Hostile Environment Podcast, which is basically just me and my social media advisor, <laughs> so there's only one of us and another guy who listens to the show, thank you again for being here. Thank you for listening to my 40 shows and continue to do so. I will keep providing you guys with the content that I think you guys want. And remember, if you have any suggestions, please email me or find me on social media. Uh, but if you're happy with what I'm doing... Uh, give me a five-star rating or buy me a coffee. I don't know. Do something. Show me you love me. I don't know. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I love you all. Thank you very much for listening. And until Monday, enjoy the weekend. And this is me signing off saying bye for now. Wow. Wow.